You may be seated. Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, verses 1 through 13. I will be, in honor of graduation weekend, reading from the Good News Bible that I was presented on June 10th, 1989, at Burt Lake Christian Church in Burt Lake, Michigan, by Reverend Mark Anderson upon my third grade graduation. In the beginning, when God created the universe, the earth was formless and desolate. The raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness, and the power of God was moving over the water. Then God commanded, let there be light, and light appeared. God was pleased with what he saw. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and he named the light day and the darkness night. Evening passed and morning came. That was the first day. Then God commanded, let there be a dome to divide the water and to keep it in two separate places. And it was done. So God made a dome and it separated the water under it from the water above it. He named the dome sky. Evening passed and morning came. That was the second day. Then God commanded, let the water below the sky come together in one place so that the land will appear. And it was done. He named the land earth and the water which had come together he named sea. And God was pleased with what he saw. Then he commanded, let the earth produce all kinds of plants, those that bear grain and those that bear fruit. And it was done. So the earth produced all kinds of plants and God was pleased with what he saw. Evening passed, and morning came. That was the third day. The word of the Lord. It may feel a little awkward this morning because we don't have a reading from the New Testament. We don't have a reading from the Gospels. Our second reading also comes from the book of Genesis. This time from chapter 7. It may seem as though this is a familiar story to you as well. But I invite you to hear it with new ears this morning as we hear about Noah and the ark and the flood over all of creation. So then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and its mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and its mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the air also, male and female, to keep their kind alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, for forty days 
and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. We're jumping ahead to verse 17, and it says, The flood continued 40 days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters swelled and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The waters swelled so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The water swelled above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all human beings, everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life, died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, human beings and animals and creeping things and birds of the air, they were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him on the ark. And the waters swelled on the earth for 150 days. This is the word of the Lord. It's a little hard to say thanks be to God after that reading. Drink more water. It's something that we've all heard at one point or another in our lives. Whether from our doctor, or from a relative, or a friend. And it's good advice to drink more water, isn't it? I have a headache. Drink more water. I have a fever. Stay hydrated, drink more water. I'm feeling tired. Drink more water. I just had a glass of water to drink. Drink more water. Our own human bodies are made up of more than 60% of water. Water literally keeps our bodies moving and functioning. And so this summer, I resorted to buying a 40-ounce water bottle to encourage me to drink more water. We know that water is restorative. It gives us more energy. And overall, it's a good, life-giving resource. In the Christian tradition, Water is also regarded as a symbol of life. We think of baptism and the way water functions as a symbol of life. Water cleanses and washes away sin. Water fills everything it enters, 
just as the Spirit fills those who are immersed in God's grace. And water is a resource for physical survival, just as we need God for our own spiritual survival. Water appears in many of our easily recalled biblical stories, exerting its prominence as a symbol in our tradition. We may recall stories of Moses parting the Red Sea. We may recall the story of the woman at the well who encounters Jesus. Jesus walked on water. Jesus turned water into wine. And we learn of the divine one who is known as the living water, poured out to restore and sustain all of God's people. And as we heard in our first scripture reading today, thanks to Sarah, water is part of our creation story. It's from the very beginning of our holy text that God has filled our world with water. God's spirit moves over the waters of creation. God separated the water from the land and called it very good. The very same spirit that we encountered last week through tongues of fire at Pentecost is present in the waters of creation today. Without water, there is no life. Yet, water has the power to destroy as well as to create. We tend to ignore or maybe seek to forget the destructive force of water that is also present in our Bible. The text we hear today of the flood and the destruction, it's not included in the Revised Common Lectionary that we usually follow on Sunday mornings. It's not frequently preached on. In fact, when I sought to look up more information about how to frame worship around the story of the flood, I came up quite empty. Because we rely on water so much as a life-giving resource, it's hard to find information about how it's a life-taking resource as well. So it's here in this text that we read this morning that God warns Noah, saying, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. For 40 days and 40 nights, God sent water destructive water, with the intent to destroy life on earth. Humans, animals, all living creatures that inhabited the earth, destroyed by water. Water swelled on the earth for 150 days. That's just under five months. It's a long time. We don't always want to claim this God that brought destruction to the earth and the created order. It's not a very uplifting story. It's a sad one. 
one that is terrifying, especially if we don't keep on reading in the book of Genesis. And while you'll hear more about the hope and the promise and the covenant that this rain brings next week, that's not my job here today. I wonder what it feels like to sit in these floody waters of destruction. We know all too well the destructive power of water. Tsunamis, hurricanes, contaminated drinking water. Water has taken life. Water has taken away stability. Water has destroyed homes. Water has rendered people jobless. And while not to the severity of the flood story that we hear in Genesis or the natural disasters that we hear about in news stories, we know the impact of unwelcomed waters here at 7th Street Christian Church. Our own space has been altered by destructive waters. Tiles are bubbling up in our fellowship spaces. Kitchen cabinets and doors are warped because of the moisture that is in these spaces. Equipment has been damaged and deemed unsalvageable. And while we don't know the severe destruction that others experience because of water, we know a small fraction of how it can impact a building and a community. The things I listed are the short list. There's a lot more. We know the great cost, financial cost, associated with remedying the flood damage as well. So how do we work to faithfully reconcile the complexities of water in our own Christian tradition? How do we hear the story of the flood and believe that water can still have life-giving properties? How do we think about baptism in our own tradition while at the same time acknowledging the damage and the destruction of water that has had on mem other members of creation? I don't have an easy answer for us. These are questions that I too wrestle with. But I believe that there is a truth that we can hold fast to that God is at work in the waters, all the waters. That throughout history, God has been at work in the water. In the present, God is at work in the water. And in the future, God will continue to be at work in the water. God's spirit was working over the deep of the waters of creation. God's command of water came and destroyed in the flood. God was at work when Moses parted the sea to free the Israelites from slavery. God was at work in the River Jordan where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. God was at work in the water that Jesus used to wash the disciples' feet. God is at work in the water now. God is at work in the rains that nourish a community experiencing drought. 
God is at work in the water that serves as home to the fish and other creatures of the sea. God is at work in the water that we drink, that I drank this morning. God is at work in the waters of baptism that we experience grace in. God is at work in the waters of our present. And yes, God is even at work in the waters that have flooded and continue to flood Hanover Hall and other parts of our building. We may not know why or what God is intending with the water, but I think that we can trust that God is present in the water and that the Holy Spirit is preparing us for something new, something different, something life-giving to both us and to the communities that we serve and those that use our spaces. So may we continue to faithfully trust, do the hard work of trusting that God is at work in the waters of the past, of the present, and of the future. Amen. In response to God's word read and proclaimed, may we join our voices together singing Restless Weaver, found on page 658 of her hymnal.
may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Living water, your grace abounds like flowing rivers. How precious it is to be immersed in your abundant love. We give thanks for the waters of baptism that remind us of who we are and whose we are in your embrace. And we come to you with gratitude for those same sacred waters that connect us to each other through the promise of mercy for generations past, present, and future. Hear our prayers, O God, this morning as we pray for all of your children, especially those who find themselves in seasons of drought and thirst, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. For those battling rough seas of chronic illness and other health concerns, we pray for patience and perseverance. For those experiencing storms of violence in their homes and in their communities, we pray for their protection and safety in all circumstances. For those who do not have reliable shelter or protection from the elements of heat and rain, we pray that you surround them and be their sense of comfort and rest. For those experiencing loneliness and isolation and those feeling stranded in deep, deep waters, we pray for belonging and acceptance. For those who serve as caregivers and find their wells dry from exhaustion and empathy, we pray for rest and renewal. Remind us that you are our living water, God. Fill us with patience and persistence to do the work that you call us to of compassion and peacemaking. Stir in us understanding and tolerance that we might be faithful neighbors to one another in all circumstances. Pour out your hope and confidence upon us, your children, that we might make manifest your justice in our communities and the larger world. We pray together, trusting in the overflowing love of God, hope of Christ, and joy of the Spirit. Together, God's children say, Amen.